Well, now we know why Joey Porter Jr. didn't play against Maryland. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for checking out the video version of this podcast over on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel Locked on Nittany Lions and hit the bell to turn on notifications so you are notified whenever there is a new episode. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to break down why Joey Porter Jr. was missing. James Franklin shed some light on it yesterday. It was his weekly press conference where he talks to the media and unprovoked did share that uh, what was going on with Joey Porter Jr. Also, uh, just go over some interesting topics, uh, not necessarily the direct quotes like I gave in the past, but just some other subjects that he discussed throughout the press conference and then update you on some Penn State football news. And we'll finish the show with Penn State men's basketball. They are 3-0 and to start the season. They got one vote. Yes, one vote to get into the top 25 of the college basketball rankings. Uh, recap their win against Butler and then preview a tough, tough Furman game. Yeah, Furman, if you can believe that, is going to be a tough opponent uh, in the tournament that they're entering, the Charleston Classic. We'll break that down uh, to finish today's episode. And then later on, of course, this week, we have Rutgers coming up. I can't believe I have to do this, but I have to preview these Scarlet Knights for you. So expect some previews coming over the next two episodes here. But thank you so much for joining me. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and follow myself at Zach underscore Seiko. That is my personal account. Let's get to Joey Porter Jr. Okay, so why was he missing from the game against Maryland? Well, for one, they obviously didn't need him. They would have loved for him to have been out there, but uh, Joey Porter Jr. wasn't needed. The defense actually put together one of its better performances without him shutting out Maryland, but uh, that's not what people want to know. Why was Joey Porter Jr. missing? Well, it, it turns out that he had appendicitis. I thought that James Franklin was very cryptic when he uh, first shared it uh, in his post-game press conference saying, well, it's a non-football-related injury. Well, Coach, what the heck does that mean? I would, were we just supposed to put that together, assume uh, whatever that is the case? Uh, but nevertheless, it truly was a football non, non-related football injury um, and because you can't get appendicitis from playing football. So Joey Porter Jr., uh, will be okay now. Uh, the the internet said that oh well we're never going to see Joey Porter Jr. again. That was the last game that we saw him play against Indiana. That is not the case. Uh, James Franklin followed it up by saying we expect him back. Uh, in his opening statement, he made it clear why Joey Porter Jr. wasn't on the field. But then there was a follow up question, just saying you know hey what what is Joey Porter Jr.'s availability? And Franklin simply stated that we do expect him back. Um, I'm torn about this. I, I'm torn about him playing another game for Penn State. And it's not that I don't want to see him on the football field. It's not that I don't think that 
uh, Penn State is better off without him. Certainly, I'd love to have him back on the team next year and make the secondary even better. But let's be honest here. Does Joey Porter Jr. really need to play against Rutgers, Michigan State, and in a bowl game? I'd like to see him play in the bowl game because that's going to be a game against comparable talent, one of the best teams that Penn State's going to face all year in addition to Ohio State and Michigan. But why risk the injury? Joey Porter Jr. isn't going on day three. Uh, he is going day one, night one of the NFL draft, and he's going to be a top 10 or top 15 pick uh, at the worst. He, he's shown that. He leads the league, leads the Big Ten in pass breakups. People just flat out don't throw his way anymore. But with the remaining competition, if there was uh, a Big Ten title berth, uh, maybe a college football playoff berth on the line, then I would say, you know what, if he's uh, close to 100%, bring him back. But personally, just with the remaining competition, I don't think it's worth it. And I don't think he was going to honestly play in the bowl game as well. So when I think James Franklin says that we expect him back, that's not for Rutgers. I think he'll uh, he'll probably play against Michigan State and then opt out of the bowl game. That's just my uh, anticipation of the whole thing. But why risk the unnecessary injury when there's really not as much left to be played here and it's not like uh, even if Penn State was eliminated from that competition uh, of a Big Ten title, it's Rutgers, it's Michigan State. And uh, if you're a Rutgers or Michigan State fan, you know, I, I say tough. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't need to sugarcoat that these games aren't as competitive uh, as some of the other games on the schedule have been for Penn State. Uh, in addition to this, the secondary is very deep, so they can handle themselves. I mean, they shut down Rakim Jarrett and Dante Demas Jr. Those are very tough receivers to handle as it is. Uh, and without Joey Porter Jr., Penn State had no problem with it. Kalen King, uh, Johnny Dixon, who's been described as one of the most improved players on this Penn State roster from this past offseason. You have Marquise Wilson, Daquan Hardy, uh, and even Cam Miller was brought up in this press conference. True freshman. I don't know if he'll be able to keep uh, the red shirt or if he has burned it to this point. But Cam Miller's received a lot of praise, and I've kind of heard that throughout as well. Sean Clifford has brought him up unprovoked. Uh, and, and even a mention of Christian Driver, and Christian Driver uh, got some time in that game against Maryland in case you missed him out there on the football field. Uh, James also shared that uh, he is going both ways on offense and defense, and as some of you avid football fans might know, his dad, his dad played for Green Bay and was one of Brett Favre's favorite targets, one of the uh, better receivers in NFL history, and also coached by, yes, James Franklin was the wide receivers coach uh, with the Packers once upon a time, in case you didn't know that. Some other things that were so, Joey Porter Jr. is okay. Uh, he, he will be okay. Uh, I'm glad that it, it's not as serious as we could have made it out to be. I hope we do see him play, but just with what lies ahead for him, I don't know that it's necessary for him to be back on the field for Penn State. Like I said, you don't want to risk any sort of injury here for someone that's going to be a top 15, maybe even a top 10 pick. Also from James Franklin's press conference, uh, these were some other interesting subjects that were brought up, uh, including players specifically, but uh, there was the notion of how Penn State discusses playing time with its players. And James Franklin pointed out that this has a lot to do with, it, it came up in the conversation about, well, you know, you're talking to players and families about the NFL draft, but James Franklin expanded upon that and said, 
Well, just in general, we talk about playing time and, and you almost have to at this point. That is what the transfer portal has created. You know, players are, uh, it, it's not, you You used to have that uh, that idea that, well, playing time shouldn't be discussed. You have to earn that. You, you earn it in practice. You don't ask about it outright. Uh, and now you have to be transparent about it, what your plans are for each and every player every single day. Uh, and, and if they don't like the plans that uh, they have at their current team, their current college, they're they're going to hop in the transfer portal. I, I don't blame them because that avenue is there for them to try and better themselves. But it's just reality at this point. This isn't your grandfather's college football anymore. If you don't like uh, the playing time situation or like what it's going to be, uh, you're going to hop into the transfer portal. That is all the transfer portals work, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Jake Penninger was also brought up because uh, we've seen him be a much better kicker just over the past couple of weeks here. James Franklin chalked it up to his confidence. We've seen him make multiple 50-yard field goals. He's now handling kickoffs when it was back and forth. It was Sanders Sahadak. It was Gabe Wosu. Uh, and Jake Penninger has really settled in handling uh, more than just uh, short-range place kicking. Uh, he lost his starting job, remember that. So that career arc of Jake Penninger uh, he's really come full circle with who he is as a Penn State place kicker. And I think that's, uh, when you think about it, back to the days of Sam Ficken, that really just seems to be the arc of a uh, Penn State kicker, even a Robbie Gould as well, uh, where they have this uh, roller coaster uh, of a career. And players are admitting that Sean Clifford is undervalued as just overall. Teammates are basically sticking up for him. And this is what James Franklin shared with the media. This is actually a direct quote itself. He said, I get a lot of emails from people that are super positive and super appreciative of Sean and what he's done throughout his career here. Typically, the positive ones aren't as vocal as the people criticizing. Oh, we know that very much so, coach. At least that's what I hope and that's what I want to believe. Uh I brought this up in, in a couple of separate episodes here that the notion that, well, Sean Clifford has the locker room behind him. That's exactly the case. You know, all the fans want to see Drew Aller start and Sean Clifford benched. Well, what do, what do the players think? Everyone criticizes James Franklin. Are you going to criticize everybody up and down the roster that's going to defend Sean Clifford as the starting quarterback? Uh, I think uh, you'd best not be doing that because... Uh, the team is behind him. They support him. And he's only got a few more games. You, you get Drew Aller next season, unfiltered. Um, Sean Clifford has done a lot uh, for, for this program. Um, gone through, toughed out all the injuries. He's really changed his game. This has been his best season, which you should expect from a sixth-year veteran. But nevertheless, his teammates are behind him. They want him to play. It's not that they don't believe in Drew as well, but they know that Sean Clifford is their guy. Uh no surprise, Catron Allen, Nicholas Singleton were brought up in this press conference, just how much they are frequently imp improving in real time. Uh, Sean Clifford himself uh, said, and this was James Franklin referred to, uh, that Catron Allen uh, is improving, one of the most improved players in such a short period of time, and James Franklin uh, echoed that as well. In case you didn't know this, I thought this was neat. Uh, I didn't know that Penn State was eighth in the country in fourth down attempts. Yeah, they like to go for it on fourth down, whether it's the analytics or not. But uh, fourth down has been key for them, and we've seen them go for it multiple times within important games. 
the success of the T formation and short yardage plays were also brought up because we know how painful it was to watch in 2021 Penn State try to convert a third and one, a fourth and two, whatever have you with no success. Uh, and I think that that has to do with a little bit of the play calling. I also think it has to do with the personnel because they ran that T backfield last year. Everyone made fun of it, including myself. And now it's a point of success. So I, I'm glad they still have the T formation because you can do so much out of it. You, you're not going to Brenton strange. And I'm surprised they actually haven't tried to hand it off to him on a fullback dive, but he's mainly been used as that lead blocker. Uh, in addition to whichever running back they go, which way Katron Allen or Nicholas Singleton. And I really like when they spread out wide, they bring out the T formation and then they turn it into a five wide receiver set. It forced Ohio state to call a timeout. You can just do so much more out of it than you realize. Juice Scruggs was a point of uh, discussion in the press conference as well. Uh, just how much he's grown. I remember it once upon a time, uh, he was in a, a serious car accident and uh, he was able to get his strength back, rehab from it, and look where he is now. He is an NFL player uh, in the making here. I don't know what kind of draft pick he will be, but I know that uh, he will be drafted and he will be on an NFL roster when he decides to leave Penn State. Jair Brown was also a point of emphasis. I asked uh, quite a few questions from the media about him. Jair Brown, if you look at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s rankings, Jair Brown is actually his third best safety. Good, because we've seen how successful Jaquan Brisker has been. Honestly, if Jaquan Brisker doesn't win NFL Rookie of the Year, uh, boat's rigged. All right, let's just put it that way. Uh, but Jair Brown uh, coming over from Lackawanna College, following that exact same uh, that exact same path that Jaquan Brisker did. They played alongside each other last year. Different types of safeties. Uh, Jaquan Brisker is a little more of a, essentially an extra linebacker, but he's been so phenomenal in coverage as well. Whereas I think of Jair Brown more as a coverage guy and over the top safety that can go down in the box. Jaquan Brisker is a guy that likes to be around the football plays within the box, but he can cover if you ask him to uh, Brisker showing that he can do both. And Jair Brown's actually played a lot more up in the box uh, this season. And then uh, next man up mentality was one of the final thoughts in this press conference. Uh, James Franklin was asked about the depth and with guys banged up because they're missing a Curtis Jacobs. Joey Porter Jr. was out. Uh, Olu Fashion has been missing. Kevon Lee, Landon Tangwa. I can go through the entire list of who's been missing. It would take me a whole episode to do that. Uh, and the next up man, man mentality uh, has been working for Penn State this year, if you haven't noticed. Uh, guys are rising to the occasion. Uh, Drew Shelton, for example, has played a, a larger-than-life role as a true freshman. Um, you've seen the freshman running backs themselves and Singleton and Allen with Kevon Lee going down. Uh, they look like they haven't missed a beat, and they've gotten better because of it. Uh, the defense, even when star players are missing, the defense actually performs better, whether that's some motivation or what have you. The next man up mentality has been good to Penn State this year, and that's a testament to all the guys that they brought in, the coaching that they've done. I will stand behind this again, and I said it in a recent episode this week. James Franklin has done his best coaching job this season with all of the changes that have happened, with all of the new guys that they brought in, and you are getting this kind of production this season. This was supposed to be a 7-5 and five team. People didn't give this team a lot of hope. The average take was 8-4. and four. 
they're going to be 10 and two, and they're going to play in a new year's six bowl after a team that finished seven and six and was embarrassed in the Outback bowl a year ago. That is a huge jump. And you don't just get there by accident with coaching. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for joining me on this Wednesday episode. When we return, we're going to talk about some more headlines surrounding Penn State football uh, and wrap up the show with Penn State men's basketball, beating Butler 68-62 and what stands in the way of Furman. That's all coming up here next. Today's episode is sponsored by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, I want to thank all the listeners and viewers out there for checking out the YouTube version of this podcast. Subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions uh, and hit the bell to turn on notifications for new episodes. Where does Penn State stand in the college football playoff ranking? And some other headlines that are relevant on this Wednesday edition of Locked on Nittany Lions coming up soon. The Penn State men's basketball recap and preview where Micah Shrewsbury's squad stands. So Penn State football is getting the respect it deserves. Number 11, just like the AP top 25, that is the new ranking in the college football playoff that was released last night in the middle of my maction. I'm just trying to enjoy a little bit of Bowling Green and Toledo, which was an incredible game. And the college football playoff committee thinks that it's so relevant that they have to drop their rankings on the night of Tuesday night action. Very disrespectful, I must say. Uh, and shout out to Bowling Green for uh, getting that last second win over Toledo. Hopefully, uh, if you're in the comments on YouTube, uh, to show show your support for uh, weekly action Tuesday and Wednesday night action. I want to know if there's uh, any other fans that uh, watch this podcast that have an appreciation for good quality football. Uh, the top the top 10 before Penn State looked like this. Uh, there's no change to the top four. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. I should even throw in Tennessee there at number five. No change there. Not surprised. Uh, LSU does move up to number six because Oregon lost to Washington. Following them, USC, Alabama, Clemson, and Utah. Personally, I think Penn State could beat a Utah team and contend with a Clemson and Alabama. Alabama is going to be a little tough. Uh, maybe they played them. I think that'd be, I, that would be awesome to see. Alabama or Clemson, that is what I'm personally hoping for uh, in a bowl game matchup for Penn State. Now, after Penn State, the uh, Oregon, UNC Tar Heels, Ole Miss, and Kansas State 
uh, round out the top 15. Penn State is at number 11. Uh, we've kind of dissected all of this, uh, broke it down where Penn State stands in the rankings and what this means for a bowl game. If they are in the top 15, they are going to get selected to a New Year's Bowl. Uh, they just need to win out. If they, for whatever reason, lose to Rutgers or Michigan State, I don't even want to speak it into existence. But if that's the case, that is probably going to drop them down to uh, 20 or lower. They won't leave the top 25. But that uh, that actually might hurt their chances at a New Year's Six Bowl if they don't win these games. I, I don't think the playoff committee will be too kind to them, especially if Penn State were to be a three-loss team. For some other news, Manny Diaz. Uh, I, I hope that he does not interview for a job this offseason. I hope he sticks around at Penn State, but that very well could be the case. Manny Diaz was nominated for the Broyles Award. What is that? Uh, the Broyles Award is presented annually to the top assistant coach in college football, and Diaz is just one of 51 nominees. Uh, the award will have 15 semifinalists on November 22nd, and five finalists on November 29th, uh, I think he'll make it all the way to the top five. It's just a matter of if and when he wins. Uh, Brent Pry was nominated for this last year. Uh, the winner will be announced on December 6th. Uh, for Manny Diaz, he certainly deserves this recognition because Penn State right now is 16th in the country in scoring defense. They're 26th in run defense. They're 53rd in pass defense and number 31 in total defense, allowing just 339.4 yards per game. Uh, as for opposing quarterbacks, they do not have an easy time against Penn State. We knew this only completing 53.4% of their passes. That's number seven, and Penn State is actually tied 17th in sacks per game with 2.9. Uh, last season in 2021, former a former Penn State assistant actually won this award. That was Michigan's offensive coordinator, who's now down at Miami of Florida in the same position. It is Josh Gaddis. Man, do I miss Josh Gaddis? Uh, but he had bigger and better things ahead of him. I like to see that he's flourishing. Uh, maybe he would... <laughs> I don't know uh, if, if Mike Yersich were not the offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis would certainly be one of my uh, number one choices uh, for Penn state. If he ever decided to uh, want to come back and uh, on the recruiting front in the Penn state headlines. So 24 uh, seven sports has recently given a crystal ball to a four star defensive back. That is Daniel Harris. Uh, Daniel Harris was verbally committed to Georgia, but uh he has now since decommitted and explained his reasoning why and just uh, offered his thanks, of course, uh, on social media. Aha, Georgia, how the turntables, or anybody that likes the office, how the tables have turned on the Bulldogs who took away uh, Josh Miller, offensive lineman, and Yazid Haynes, uh, one of those top wide receivers, away from Penn State flipping them. Well, now Penn State can do it right back. 24-7 uh, sports uh, actually projected a six-rating confidence for Harris to land with Penn State, and that comes from Steve Wiltfong, who's the uh, director of football recruiting there. Uh, gave him a confidence of six, which does, doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to come to Penn State. It is already a loaded secondary class for them, but Michigan, Ohio State are also in the fold. Go figure. Uh, but it sounds like Penn State is truly one of the contenders. They're not a distant third, if you will. Uh, he's the number 18 cornerback in the country, and he's the number 37 player in all of Florida and number 154 overall. 
Uh, if Penn State were to pick him up, I mean, this would just be a, a landslide get for the Nittany Lions, who are currently number 14 in the uh, overall team rankings for the class of 2023. But why not bolster it? Guys who are already uh, verbally committed that we expect to sign King Mack. Uh, Conrad Hussey and Elliot Washington, who they flipped from Alabama already earlier in the cycle. Zion Tracy, Lamont Payne, who's in Pennsylvania, and Dakari Nelson. That's That shows you how hard uh, Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter have been at work. And they they just get along with the players. They're developing talent because you're seeing it, right? You're seeing Joey Porter Jr. in, in top 10 consideration. Uh, what Jaquan Brisker is doing at the next level. Jair Brown's going to follow. Like slowly but surely, Penn State is turning into a defensive back U, a DBU. LBU, I know that's the moniker. You have all the historic figures that that played so well at that position, and you still have guys like Abdul Carter live on that legend of number 11. But I think Penn State should start getting consideration for uh, DBU here and also punter U. Uh, we've seen uh, Blake Gilligan and Jordan Stout tear it up. And the next man up in that punter group is going to be Alex Baquetta, uh, the true freshman. In case you didn't know him already, he's going to be uh, the next in the long line of talented punters to come out of Penn State. Yeah, punter you for, for Penn State. Uh, but really, the secondary is going to set the world on fire if they can get all of these recruits to pan out. Uh, and they are extremely talented. It's just a matter of them, of course, developing. But they have the coaches and Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter to do just that. And that's why they're coming to Penn State. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. I am Zach Seiko. When we come back, we're going to talk about Penn State men's basketball, defeating Butler, getting the best of Thad Mata, uh, who was very successful against Penn State 22-2 and two in his career, now 2020, now 22-3, and three, and preview briefly the game against Furman, which is tomorrow. It's Locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you'll find those at BetOnline as well. We always have the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast now, including YouTube. Thank you so much for watching the show uh, and hit the bell to turn on notifications. And feel free to comment any feedback, any questions you want me to answer in a show, uh, any predictions you'd like to make about football, basketball, wrestling, uh, hockey now, hockey in the in the top five, according to the pairwise. And, and just to go on a little tangent about men's hockey here, that was a team that was predicted to finish sixth, second to last in the Big Ten, and now they're number four in the country. Yeah, take that uh, prediction experts. Uh, same thing with Penn State men's basketball. People were finishing, expecting them to finish 11th in the Big Ten. That is not going to happen. Uh, they are easily uh, top eight, and I and I said that from the beginning. Uh, so Penn State men's basketball, led by Micah Shrewsbury in his second season, beating Butler 68 to 62. That was personal for Micah. It truly was. He was an assistant 
at Butler for a few years, 2008 to 2011 with Brad Stevens, who went on to coach the Boston Celtics and took Micah with him. Uh, he was also born and raised in Indiana. So this one was fun for him. Uh, and it was good to see them improve to three and zero. How about Jalen Pickett locked on Nittany Lions is officially a Jalen Pickett fan account, a triple double for the transfer guard, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. He's only the second Penn State basketball player in history to do it. The other, Calvin Booth and Kerry Booth, his son, is now signed to play for Penn State in the class of 2023. Uh, but for uh, Jalen Pickett, I, I mean, this performance was impressive. I'll break it down in a second. Uh, back, Calvin Booth did this in 1998. March 16th, 1998 to be exact. He had 19 points, 10 rebounds, and how many assists did he have? No, he didn't uh, He didn't have assists to qualify for this. He had 10 blocks. It was in an NIT game against Dayton. Uh, so Jalen Pickett set some history here in the win against Butler. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, take this note from Steve Jones. He's the radio voice of Penn State football and men's basketball, a colleague of mine uh, at my full-time job at a ESPN Radio State College. And Steve brought up that Jalen Pickett didn't have his quote-unquote best game. Um, I, I won't challenge him on this because he, he calls the games. He saw the game. Now, uh, Micah Shrewsbury actually sat uh, Jalen Pickett uh, just down for a few minutes to cool him off. Uh, didn't play as many minutes as he normally does. He normally plays north of 35. Uh, this time he played closer to 30. He was at 31 minutes. But I thought that was an interesting note that Micah had to bench him. Now, why why did he bench someone who went on his way to score a triple-double? Well, part of that was uh, Jalen did have poor shot selection. I, I won't I won't disagree with that. I think that's a very good point. Uh, he had he was six for eighteen on field goals. That's a 33 shooting percentage. He was one for five from three point land. Uh, so it, it did take him a little bit to get his points uh, and it didn't cost Penn State, but it certainly held them back maybe from a little more of an efficient victory. Uh, I will counter with this, though, because while he did a poor job shooting the ball from the field, uh, Jalen Pickett had 11 assists. Zero turnovers. I think that was more important, especially when collectively Penn State did lead the uh, the team in. Uh, they had eleven turnovers in that game compared to Butler's five. So Jalen Pickett did an excellent job of protecting the basketball uh, and the triple double. You can't take that away from him. I think he played a good overall game. Uh, yeah, if he was a little bit cold from the field, so be it. But I think not turning the ball over was uh, even more crucial in this game. And Jalen Pickett still plays exceptional defense. Uh, he's a lockdown defender like uh, like Seth Lundy, also on the team as well. Uh, it's good to have those guys in the backcourt to uh, pressure the guys bringing up the basketball on the opposing side. This needs to be said more, and it's starting to catch the attention of the national media. Andrew Funk and Cam Winter, Winter have been home runs out of the transfer portal. They have made this team so much better. Why, you might ask? Because uh, Penn State is shooting 47.8. From the three last year, it was only 34.2%. And those two guys are a big reason why now miles dread being healthier. Uh, he's able to do that. Seth Lundy can fling it. Dalian Johnson can shoot from long, from long distance. 
But those two guys really add an extra element. So you can swing it around. If one guy's not, because last year it was really just Miles Dredd, who was the three-point shooter. Well, if you take him away, who else is going to shoot it? Uh, now you have multiple assets that can shoot from long range. Uh, also another takeaway from this game, a couple of them uh, relating to Butler. Penn State did have trouble closing out the Butler Bulldogs in this game. They really could have put them away with about five minutes to go in the second half, and they really didn't. Uh I think I chalked that up to early season mistakes uh, and Butler's just, they're well coached. They have Thad Mata in there and uh, Thad Mata has a history of success against Penn state. Uh, so that's where we will uh, leave it at that. I think they'll correct that. And I like the way that Penn state handled a six foot 11 Manny Bates, uh, Manny Bates, I would say had his way for most of the night, but Penn state essentially led him. They were very content with allowing Manny Bates to uh, have space in the paint. They didn't really double-team him all that often. Uh, Penn State actually collectively out-rebounded Butler, which I was surprised at given the night that Manny Bates had individually. But 40 rebounds to 36, so that shows that even though Penn State doesn't have a lot of height and a lot of depth in the front court, they had no problems defending a guy, uh, defending a team that has a big man like him. Okay, so now what lies ahead for Penn State? Well, tomorrow, they are already down there in South Carolina, but they are getting ready, geared up to play in the Charleston Classic. Uh, that is uh, starts tomorrow at 1130. It is a tip-off tip between Penn State and Furman, uh, following them, Virginia Tech and Old Dominion. That's on uh, their side of the bracket. If Penn State wins, most likely they would face a Virginia Tech team. I, I don't want to count out Old Dominion, but I like the Hokies' chances here. It feels like Penn State plays Virginia Tech every single season, oddly enough, uh, even dating back to when uh, Pat Chambers was uh, still, still coaching uh, Penn State. They just, for some reason, play the Hokies, it feels like, every single year is a non-conference matchup. But that's the matchup I'm anticipating but Penn State's got to actually win. I, that's a, this is assuming that they win this one. This is not an easy Furman team. Everyone might say, oh, well, because it's Furman, they're a mid-major. Uh, not the case. Uh, Furman, it, it should not be overlooked here. They are expected to win their conference, which is the Southern Conference, mid-major conference. At this point in time, they are averaging 90 points a game. So they can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Penn State and shoot the ball and play at that same kind of pace just as well as Penn State can. And they steal the ball. 10 steals per game to this point through just the few that they have. They actually should have made the uh, big dance last year, the NCAA tournament. But if it wasn't for a buzzer beater in the conference championship to Chattanooga, uh, they would have went on to win. Instead, they lost 64 to 63. And they returned two of their top scorers and both have been named to the uh, Southern Conference all-conference team. It's just so what you need to know about Penn state and what they have to handle uh, for Penn state. If they want to win the Charleston classic, they got to win three in a row. They got to beat Furman. They got to beat Virginia tech. And then whoever lies ahead three wins and they can come, uh, they can come back to state college. Very happy uh, with the Charleston classic under their belt. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for checking out this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions. Before I go, make sure you watch some of the other episodes from this week back, the takeaways from Penn State versus Maryland. I settled the Sean Clifford versus Will Levis debate, which quarterback Penn State should have kept. 
Uh, and then coming up later tomorrow and Friday, the preview around the Scarlet Knights. What are they going to do? How are they going to play against Penn State? And what are they going to try to do to make this game competitive? And we'll have a full game preview, of course, coming out on Friday. But thanks so much for joining me on this edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.